Okay, so who of you were here last week? Okay, so we had one long worship service. <laughs> so we started at 6 o'clock and then we ended up at 10 o'clock. So just be prepared. Those of you need to organize uh, travel, etc. But great. We had such a good time. And I think the good thing that, that's busy just being revealed to us is that if we see God, then He is coming to us also. It's, it's not like he is uh, just sitting there in heaven waiting for us, and then he says, come closer, come closer. But we, we just one step, and he gives two steps towards us. And we've been seeing this now for a while. So I just want you, when we go into worship, really be expectant to meet with God. Okay. Are you guys, are you guys ready for this four-hour service? Okay. Now you can obviously just walk out um, whenever. Uh, we're not going to be mad at you. So um, we'll try and keep this to an hour, but we'll see what the Lord, Lord does. Okay, so we want to talk about the Holy Spirit, and specifically we want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So my, my story really is a story of a conversion that happened when I was young. My dad's a Dormany, my grandfather's a Dormany. I can't even remember not thinking that I'm going to go to heaven, not thinking that I'm a Christian, not thinking that I, I don't. I can't relate to God, or I can't speak to God, or I can't hear His voice. Remember, from a very young age, just be so aware of God's presence in my life. My conscience, conscience was so alive. It was, almost, it was so irritating, especially if you're a teenager. It's just so irritating to know that God's so close, and your grandmother's saying to you, Hey, listen here, I'm, I'm praying for you. You better do the right thing, or you better do this. So, so aware of God's presence, but then always knew that there was someone, there's something more. There was this, these moments where I would pray, and it's like you're praying against the ceiling, or you know that you need to testify or witness to your friends, but you just didn't have the power. You didn't have the ability to communicate or the words to share with them what's happening in your life. So then I went to Varsity in Stalamos, arrived there. First year of varsity, it's absolutely wild. So people think it's wild going, if you go here on a, on a Wednesday night and seeing people at the pubs and hear what's happening in schools, it is wild if you go to varsity because there's a bunch of people that now are without parental guidance, without parents looking over their shoulder, seeing what they're doing, and they just go all out for freedom. Arrive there. Now, I still want to do the right thing. I have a twin brother. He wants to do the right thing. We ended up in this hostel, and everybody just trying to get drunk, trying to score goals. I'm like, what the heck is going on here, Jesus? And I've actually been exposed to that from a very young age. I actually went to an Opikopi festival when I was grade 10. I told my dad the other day, yes, dad, how did you allow us to go? It was, it was, we, was we were allowed legally, you could have gone if you're 16 years old. So I was exposed to all of that, but some are living among people, and the only thing that they wanted to do is just follow whatever lust, whatever desire they have in their heart it was really difficult for me. Then somebody invited me to a small group. Then from the small group, somebody invited me to this course where they told us about the Holy Spirit. So I grew up with the Bible. I grew up with Jesus. Grew up with Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, relationship, even hearing God's voice. Every now and then we'll get a missionary coming down and telling us about the amazing stories, testimonies that would happen out there. Never here close, always out there. And then they tell me at this small group and also some friends that I got to know, 
hey, you need the Holy Spirit, Amor. I'm like sort of offended because I've been living with Jesus for so long. I know about the Holy Spirit. Surely I have the Holy Spirit. How can I not have the Holy Spirit? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? And then uh, they prayed for me at the seminar. I got this language, ba-ra-la-la-ba-ba. It wasn't an emotional experience. I thought this is not the thing that I really wanted because I thought I'm just going to be blown up. I'm going to be transformed into the superhuman being, and I'm going to get everybody saved. And that happened later, but there was a process of me understanding that God is for me and that God wants to be in me and He wants to get out of me at the same time. And then I had this encounter uh, where a demon screamed at me while I was praying in tongues and then it changed my life. Because suddenly I realized that the Holy Spirit's not only out there, but He's also in, inside of me. So... We want to talk about that experience. So whenever we talk about anything in the Bible, we always go first to Jesus. It's a, in, in theology, they call it the Christocentric approach. Always Jesus. What is Jesus saying on this topic? So I'm going to give you four points, and then we'll also see how, we, how far we can go with, with the other points. So Number one, he is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John 1.33. So think of this. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. Yes, we find him in the New Testament, but it's actually still the Old Covenant because Jesus hasn't died yet. So John the Baptist then says this. So the greatest prophet's prophesying this. He says, the one who you will see the Spirit falls upon, he is the one that will baptize with the Spirit. So this is the prophecy that the greatest prophet gives of Jesus. Not that he will die on the cross. Yes, surely that must happen too. But he's saying he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so think about that. So his prophetic word coming into his life, Jesus has this word, I'm going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. The second point is we see that Jesus' ministry starts with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So it's a little weird to understand because now Jesus is God. How, do, how does he now need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What's going to happen? So because he's the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father is one. If you have good theology, you should understand that. Okay, but how does that happen? But I think the reason why Jesus had to go through all of this, being filled with the Holy Spirit, going through baptism, the baptism that happened at the Jordan where John baptized them, is because he was modeling to us how we should live our lives. It was modeling to us the process that we will need to really follow him. So Jesus' ministry started after he got baptized by John. The heavens opened up. God the Father spoke, this is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased. And then after that, the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness. And from the wilderness, he went into the synagogue, picked up the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and he starts reading from it. And the first words in Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So this is what Jesus is saying. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to, to, to preach or to declare freedom to the prisoners, sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
and to declare the, the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm going to do a ministry. I'm going to do something that's going to be quite impactful, but I'm going to do it under the anointing, under the power of the Spirit. Then the third one, and there's actually a mistake there, it should say, his death opened the curtain for the Holy Spirit. So we know that Jesus died. He died on the cross. The cross represents that, that he was the sacrifice that paid for our sins. Because of the cross, we can be reconciled to God. But we know something very significant happened when he died on the cross. And if you understand Jewish culture, you would realize the importance of that one verse in the Bible, Matthew 20, 27, 51. It says, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in the temple. So what is the veil? The veil was the separation between the most holy place and the holy place. It was the place where the high priest, only once a year, could go into to make atonement for the sins of the people. So it's the place of the very presence of God. So now Jesus dies on the cross. He pays for his sin. And in a way, he pulls open the curtain for the Holy Spirit to be flooded into everyday life, onto every, every person. So can you see Jesus, his life story, and even the way that it is, written down in the Gospels, is telling us that the Holy Spirit is the force behind Jesus' ministry. Therefore, we need to make real serious labor in finding out who the Holy Spirit is and also how we can fully live in His, in His power. Think of being a Jew in that time and realizing that the place, the veil that was torn, the holy place now is open to everyone. It's, it's a, almost a blasphemous idea that I can now, just being mere human being, can go into the very presence of God. It's a blasphemous idea. And that is exactly what Jesus did. So why did he have to die on the cross for that to happen? Because sinful man and holy God, we cannot commune. But once our sins are taken care of through the cross, once we receive Jesus, we can commune with God. By the way, the big idea for Jesus dying on the cross is not only that your sins are taken away. It is so that you can have relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit represents the presence of God. It is your dad in heaven saying, I'm now going to be not only around you, I'm going to be in you. Because that's how close I want to be. When I think of, of that idea of Holy Spirit wanting to be in us, I think of my, of my son, Nicholas. What he loves to do is he loves to tuck himself as close as possible to, uh, to your body. He would just lie there. If he, could take, if he could skin me alive and put my skin around him, that's what he would do. He loves affection. It's a horrible idea to get him into bed with you, especially when he was younger, because he was constantly fiddling with you. And he was like doing this all the time, all straight through the nights. Okay, pray for, for boys and girls, babies that don't have love language of touch when you're a parent. My youngest, Julia, is very similar. So this is, 
It's my idea of the Holy Spirit. It's like, I want everything. I want to be here with you, man. Elke rolliekie is so, wil ek hee, And I think that's, if you, if, you, if you get to understand the Holy Spirit and you understand God, the Father, and Jesus, how they, how they work together, you, you realize that the Holy Spirit represents the desire of the Father to be in you, and to be with you. So let's go to then the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Because He was there in the Old Testament, not only in the New Testament. Sorry, we still have point number four. And we also see that Jesus commanded his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's, if you read Acts 1 verse 4, it says he commanded his disciples. It's not a suggestion. And he commanded all of his disciples, not only the holy people, all of them, to make serious note of what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. It is so, so important. So think of Jesus. He knows that he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So he wants to make sure that in the power that he had, that they will walk. Because else they will not be able to continue his ministry. And if you go to Romans 8, 11, it says the crazy thing. It says that Jesus was raised from the dead with the Spirit of God. And that Spirit is now living inside of us. So think of the biggest victory of, of all of history was the victory on the cross when Jesus died and when he was raised from the dead. That victory was caused by the Spirit that's now living inside of you. It's bigger than the Allies destroying Nazi Germany. It was bigger than that. It's, it's massive. And that Spirit is now living in you. So... What are we doing with the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. It was there in the beginning. It was poured out on individuals and small groups and just some very interesting things. If you study the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, you see that it, one of the first guys that got filled with the Holy Spirit is an artist called Bezalel. That's why you need to start praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon you if you're an artist so that we can see the artistic world being flooded with good and holy art, whether it's music, drama, paintings, whatever you're into, trust the Holy Spirit. Because Bezalel was the artist in the tabernacle. Then Moses, Moses had a problem. He couldn't do all the work as a leader. So God took some of his spirit and he poured it out on 70 elders. Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, you cannot lead. You cannot be a leader. Not in, not in, in Christian circles. Saul he got filled with the Holy Spirit while he was pursuing David. He wanted to kill David. And because David was with the prophets, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He started prophesying. He's not trying to kill a person. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he starts prophesying and he undresses himself. And the Bible says he was lying there naked for a whole day. And we're not going to pray for that for tonight. Okay. Keep your clothes on. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep us. Keep us dignified tonight. And then we see David was anointed by Samuel, and he also, um, from that day onwards, was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And we see that the Holy Spirit was promised in a, in a more powerful way in, in, in the days to come. We read about that in Joel and also in Ezekiel. So, 
We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask Karina to come and share her testimony. And uh, it just fits in so powerfully with why we need the Holy Spirit. Okay, so just a disclaimer. Karina is going to share about something that the devil did. And that's not the focus, but it is, it's evil. And it could be even traumatic for some of you. But uh, a focus and the end of the story is that Jesus' good that he has done in her life trumps all the bad that the devil tried to do in her life. Okay. Karina is opgewonnen. She's one of the bravest girls that I know. Listen to this. Amazing. Thank you, Amy. Um, hello, guys. Um, as Omar said, I'm going to share my testimony with you. Um, so, I'm Karina. I'm 23 years old. <laughs> I just wanted to disclaim that. Um, so, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I lived in fear for my dad. Um, my dad physically and emotionally abused my mom, and that led to my dad also physically, emotionally, and sexually abusing me. My dad um, sexually abused me for um, a three-year period and an estimate time of 70 times. I didn't know Jesus, and I was living in so much fear that I never told anyone, nor did I think I should out of the fear for my dad. Um, in my grade 11 year, my life took a turn when my mom took my brother and I to church and the pastor was handing out communion that day and when he came to us, he asked us three to hold hands and then he gave us a word and told us, um, God knows your secret and everything is going to be okay. Um, for the first time ever, the thought that I have to tell someone about my dad raping me came to me. And I, I had an unreal, supernatural peace about it. The following week, I told my mom I was very afraid that she would reject me. Um, but instead, she immediately embraced me and told me that everything is going to be fine. In the same week, we met up with a social worker as well as the police. And my dad was locked up four days after our visit to church. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, about three years later, I encountered Jesus. I gave him a heart, and my life took a turn then and there, and I cannot unsee God's goodness for my life. I've been on a journey to find myself and to find my identity in Christ, and this has been one of the most difficult experiences, but yet the most rewarding. I've gone through hours and hours of counseling and I'm a part of a godly community. God has blessed me financially and has provided for me every day. I've great godly, godly friends who I also have deep relationships with and through it all, I still have a strong bond with my family. God has also blessed me with a boyfriend who's gentle and kind to me. Um, so I just want to encourage you all to study the word of God and learn his truth over your life. Seek counsel, seek community, and pray for godly friends. This was a personal struggle for me, and I find it difficult to make friends. Um, I place my trust in God and his ways of forming us through community, and I found people in my life who saw past insecurities 
I carried and helped me finding my identity. Our past is not necessarily our fault, but it is our responsibility to see God and to allow him to heal us from the inside out. The generations after you will reap the fruit of your healing journey and you taking authority over your past. Remember what you do on this side of eternity determines your future. Seek him and his kingdom first. His will is for us to be healed, delivered, and set free. Amazing. This is the third time now that Karina is sharing this testimony. And uh, we've been crying, bawling our eyes out this morning. Because uh, this is what Jesus can do. And I think the power of her story and just combining it with the theme for tonight is that there was a pastor that had the ability to lock into heaven and to hear what heaven says about Karina. Just those words. God knows about your secret. Changed her life completely. And obviously, Karina did very well in just pursuing Jesus. Uh, ended up here at a wild service. One, I think it was on a Monday night. I still remember the one guy that prayed or somebody that prayed for her came out and said, Hey, Amal, there was a, there's a girl that I prayed for her and she got raped by her dad. I think you need to speak to her. And now a few years after this, Karina's set free. She is holy. She is serving in our church and she is actually making disciples and sharing about Jesus. So what I want us to do now is we're going to trust that the Lord moves on us in such a way that we will become the pastors to the many Karinas that's looking around, that's wandering around um, in, our, in our midst. There's so many people with a, with a similar story, and they're just waiting for somebody to hear from God or for the presence of the Holy Spirit to touch them so that they will have the guts to come out. Okay, so let's, let's stand we get the worship team up here. So it's very clear from Scripture that the way that we actually get filled with the Holy Spirit is just to ask. In Luke 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he, he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, through your, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we're just going to now, we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to touch us, to use us. But I think I have a sense that the Holy Spirit wants to move us beyond just our selfish ideas of how he can bless us. But actually, he wants to move us to a place where we can bring meaning, bring significance, bring love, bring kindness, bring the power of God into somebody else's life. Okay, so let's just stand like this. All I want you to do is just to repeat this prayer after me. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you touched Karina that you have set her free. Thank you for her story. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to use me. And I ask now, Father God, that you fill me with your spirit, that you 
baptized me with your Holy Spirit. Because I want to help the Karinas in my life. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Just fill me. So let's just, let's just wait on in the Holy Spirit. Let's just wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this room, God. Thank you that you're healing hearts. Thank you, you're touching people. Thank you that some people are sitting here and say, I, how can I pray for other people? I'm still broken. Thank you that you're healing those hearts right now, Lord. Thank you that there are people in this room, they came to church, but they actually just mad at you for what you've done in their lives. You've taken away a loved one. You have, have put them in a situation that they've never asked for. They've been hurt. They still suffer because of the trauma and the pain. But thank you, God, that they are here and you are touching them now in this very moment. Thank you, Jesus. And all God wants from you is just to, just to respond. And one of the ways that we can respond is just to, to worship Him. So we're going to go into just couple of minutes of worship. If you need to come forward and or you need prayer, you're welcome to do that. There will be facilitators here in front. But we're going to respond with worship and we're going to say yes to the calling of God in our lives, to hear from God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to pursue the Holy Spirit, not, not a once-off experience, but to be continuous continually filled with what God has given us already. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Jesus.